and this is Pastor Daniel McGee with Connection Church in New York City. Thank you for listening to our church's weekly podcast. We hope God uses this sermon to encourage you and to increase your faith in Him. If you'd like to know more about our church, please check out our website at ConnectionNYC.com or like us on Facebook at ConnectionNYC. Grace and peace be with you. Testament book of 1st Peter. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. So the question I'll start tonight with is, what were you born to do? What is it that you were born to do? The sermon series is called Stranger Beings, and we're playing off of the show Stranger Things. And Stranger Things is a Netflix show that has two seasons so far, so as I use illustrations, I will do my best not to give any spoiler alerts, or, yeah, spoiler, spoilers for the show. So I will issue an alert if I ever do that. But I want to share with you about this character in Stranger Things who goes by the name Eleven. She has these psychokinetic powers, which means that she can move objects with her mind. Since her birth, she's only known her life in a limited way by being tested and having experiments performed on her by scientists in a lab. But one day she escapes from the lab and finds herself in a different context. Now she's around kids her own age. And in some way, she finds out that she is very different than them. But in some way, she finds out that she's very much the same. She discovers these new things about herself. She grows in her relationship with her friends. She realizes that she has giftings that can be used for good or bad. And she realizes that I'm really good at these things and even finds out some things that she's the only one who can do them. You may say that When it comes to certain things, she was born to do them. Many times we we think that we're um, born to do things too, and and that we can find out if we're born to do them because we're good at them, or if we find out that we enjoy doing them in in ways that bring fulfillment to, to our lives. And so it's not just something that we're necessarily good at, but it's something that we we find joy in doing it 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 fuels us you know sometimes you do things and you you feel great about it and sometimes you do things you're like i don't ever want to do this again this is draining to me for myself i was born to compete i um I i love to compete okay i almost any sport anything that we do i want to win okay anybody else with me on that you like to compete okay good so some of the things i love to do i love to travel Anyone else love to travel? 
I love the spirit of adventure. Sometimes, and as long as we're not next to a cliff or something, I enjoy adventure. Um, cliffs do scare me, and please, my children, please stay away. And you too, stay away from cliffs. They, they scare me. But traveling is fulfilling for me. It's wonderful. And I noticed that some of you are, are really good at art. I mean, you just produce some things that are phenomenal that I can't even comprehend how you even thought of it. Some of you are very good at building things. It, it's very easy. You have a concept, and you can put something together and create it and build it, and it's amazing. Some of you are good at solving problems. You're not a problem finder, but you're a problem solver, and when you see something, you go to action and you solve that problem. And some of you are really good at getting things done. Some people are good at having ideas, and some people are good at implementing those ideas. And some of you are really good at doing that. Some of you have high organizational skills. I mean, when you want to do something, I mean, you just, you get it done, and you can just organize it and, and get it done, and a lot of other people can't do it. I mean, I, I am not the most organized person in the world. I have selective organizational skills. However, some of you, I have been told, have the spiritual gift of napping. And nobody, I see some hands being raised right now that you are really good at napping. So is th are these the things that you're born to do? You know, it's amazing that um, when you start to, to focus on something in life, you can, um, um, you start to see it everywhere. Like if you learn a new word, you know, you learn a new word, you start to notice it everywhere, right? Um, look at this picture. Bobby, can you throw that picture up there for me? So tonight, this week, I was talking about, you know, you're born for this, and this is Socrates Park. Anybody seen this before? This is right by Costco, and this week, I noticed it. I hadn't noticed it before. It may have been put up that day. It may have been there a year and a half. I don't know. But it says, I was born for love, not hatred. And I thought, I don't know that I would have noticed that had I not been preparing for this message. And I thought, that's a wonderful billboard. It's a wonderful message. Who doesn't love that message? That we were born to love and not born for hatred. But I want us to go deeper than what I just led us to think of. We just thought about what we think we're good at and what we find joy doing. I want us to go deeper than that. I want us to think not how we define what we were born to do, not how we define our destiny or activity or calling, but instead by asking a new question. What does God say we were born to do? Not what brings me fulfillment, not what I enjoy doing, not what my giftings are, but what is it that God says that I'm born for? If you want to follow along in the sermon outline, it's inside your worship folder. We'll start with the number one on the list. You were born for this, and the first thing is this. You were born for obedience to the Lord. Obedience to the Lord. See, the Bible starts in the very beginning with the story of God with a man and a woman in this beautiful garden. They live in harmony with the earth, with the animals. It's a beautiful picture. And humans were created to live as God's crowning achievement of creation. We were created to serve under his authority, yet still reign sovereign, not sovereign, but reign in authority, under his authority, over the earth and the rest of creation. A healthy relationship of obedience to a good and perfect creator God is the original design. But sin entered the world, 
when Adam and Eve decided we don't want to live under that any longer. We want to do things our own way. We want to define what is and is not right for us. They wanted to be free from having to obey anyone else. But you and I, just like Adam and Eve, originally were created for obedience to the Lord. Look with me in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22, and we'll see where we get this idea from. Verse 22, it says, Now that you have purified yourselves, and yourselves here also means your souls. So it's your inner person. It doesn't mean that you've taken a bath and now you're purified, but he's talking about your inner self, your inner soul. Now that you've purified your soul by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. Now look at that right there where it says obeying the truth. That's very important for us to to understand what Peter's talking about here because Peter says they have purified themselves through obedience to the truth. Purified themselves through obedience to this truth. He's not saying that works made them righteous and good. Okay, that's not the gospel. That's not what Peter's preaching. That's not what Paul preached. That's not what Jesus preached. He's not saying the reason you're saved and redeemed by God is because you did good things. That's not what he's saying. What he is saying is that when we do obey the Lord, then our lives become more sanctified. We become more and more pure in our understanding, our thinking, our actions. We become more sanctified, pure, righteous, holy. We grow in our faith. We obey what the Lord says is good, and we resist what the Lord says is evil. And what he's saying here is we have an active role to play in this faith, that we have an active role to play in our pursuit of holiness. But the question begs us, will we obey? Will we obey? Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 15, he said this very simple phrase. He said, if you love me, you will keep. And keep right there also means obey. You will keep my commandments. So the first thing I want us to understand today is that you and I were born to obey. It's not a, an attractive or, um, it's not an attractive concept, right? To think that we were born to obey when we have a lot of different things going on in life, a lot of choices we can make. I mean, it's, there are a lot of things I can say to you that would encourage you, and I don't think you were born to obey really hits you right in the heart. But it is what we need to hear. Sometimes it's not what we want to hear, but what we need to hear. Are you living in obedience to what God has told you today? What do you mean? Obedience to what? Well, whatever he's told you. What is it in your life that you know is what God wants you to do in obedience to him that you're not doing? Or what is it in your life that you know you're taking that step of obedience in following him? Is there something that you know God wants you to do because he's made it clear to you that you're saying no to him today? Until you take that step of faith, until you take that step of obedience, you're never going to live the way you were born to live. Until you're faithful with what he's shown you in this step, he will not reveal that next step for you. What is it? You were born to live in obedience to the Lord. And as we're going to see as we progress through this sermon, that's not a bad thing. That's a wonderful thing. It's a freeing thing. 
Because now you don't have to be the one that comes up with this idea of how to do what's best for your life. You can simply be a follower of Christ and allow him to guide you through the rest of your life. What a freeing concept this is. But the first thing is you were born to live in obedience to the Lord. Number two, you ready? Number two, you were born to live in unfeigned love for one another. To have an unfeigned love for one another. And I chose unfeigned because sincere was too easy for you. I figured you would see it and fill it in and I tried to keep you interested. But unfeigned means sincere. That's what it means. It means genuine. You know, feigned is the opposite of unfeigned and that means hypocritical. It means fake, disingenuous. No one wants that. That's not real love. The King James Bible is where I got this from. They translate it uh, sincere like we see today in our text. They translated it unfeigned. And so it props out to the 1611 version there. 1 Peter chapter 21, chapter 1 verse 22 is where we get this from. We'll repeat that again. It says, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love, this unfeigned love, this unhypocritical love, this real, genuine love for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. Now, if you would keep that verse up there for a second. It says love in this verse twice. The first love is uh, Philadelphian, is the Greek word that's used there. Now, Philadelphia, most of you probably know that that's the city of brotherly love. And so when you see brotherly love right here, that actually literally is Philadelphian in uh, the Greek text that is translated to English. And so it goes deep. This brotherly love is not something that goes away because of circumstances, but it remains. The next word is agape. And agape is a a different aspect of love, and it's not the romantic love, but it's a, a love where you take pleasure in something. So he's saying that you're to stick with one another with this sincere brotherly love that you you blood is thicker than water you've heard that before right that you stick together no matter what family's family and that's what he's saying you have this deep love for one another but at the same time you deeply love one another you take pleasure in one another you enjoy each other's company from the heart it's sincere it goes deeper than that and a lot of times we as a culture see love out there that is just an imitation of love it's not real You're fond of people that are like you. There's natural affinity toward them. That's not love. You have similar interests with other people, so you you gravitate towards them and you enjoy their company, but that's still not love. You enjoy that people make decisions the way you would make decisions, so you like them and you hang around them and you uh, aspire to be like them, but that's still not love. Just because you give someone five stars on an app doesn't mean you love them. There's something deeper than this. Love from the heart means this. It means you accept the things you don't like about someone and you still choose to love them. doesn't mean you affirm the things you don't like about them because sometimes people do things that aren't right. But it means you accept the fact that they're not perfect. But no matter what, I'm choosing to stay in the game. I'm choosing to love them. I'm choosing to delight in them. It's not this cheap, easy, emotional connection that you have with people. That can happen on any given occasion. But it's a choice to sacrifice your life for someone else which may or may not love you back. 
That's agape love. And to define this even further, to see more of the characteristics of what this love looks like in our lives, we can look to Jesus in John chapter 13 when he said this in verse 34 and following. He said, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. And then he expounds upon it and says, Even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this, when you do this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. One of the saddest things that I can think of is when Christian brothers and sisters don't love one another. When we choose to to pick out the things that we don't like or the things we don't understand about someone else and we withdraw our love and affection for them. But Jesus says, I want you to love people the way I do. And with Jesus, when other people ran out, what did Jesus do? He ran in. That's the way we are to love. Love others the way Jesus loves you. Even if you don't understand them. But what if there's something that you would do differently in your life? And you don't understand what someone else is doing? I mean, sometimes people do crazy things, and you're like, I have no idea what this person is up to. Right? But what if you don't understand what they're doing? Choose to love them. Angela, what if they're different than you? What if, what if they have opinions politically that are different than you? That's right. Choose to love them. What if they, what if they root for the eagles? And now they're just obnoxious because they won the Super Bowl. You must be loving towards them in a Philadelphian type love. What if they've offended you? What if they've said something that really stung and they won't apologize for it? It gets harder now, doesn't it? Jesus didn't run away when it happened that way. Jesus ran in. What if they don't love you back? What if the person that you're directing your love towards says, I hate you? We're, choose, we're chosen and we're called to love them. Jesus loved us before we ever even thought about him. Jesus loved us when we rebelled against him, and whether we said it with our words or with our actions, he loved us when we said, I hate you. I can't stand you. And when we see Jesus expressing love for someone in the scriptures, when we look to him, that is a prescription for who and how we are to love others. But make no mistake, you were born to have this unfeigned love for one another. The third thing that we were born for is this. We were born for living forever with the Lord. Living forever with the Lord. You were not born to die, but you were born with the hope of living forever with the Lord. But again, the garden 
Or again, we see that the garden wasn't a place of death and decay, but sin entered and it took away the birthright of life and it instead gave us a birthright of death. So the way we are born now in these days, we are born with a trajectory of sin and a trajectory of death. That is where we're heading. And so we must be born again. And that's what we see in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 and following. It says this, For you have been born again. So this is what Peter is writing to the churches, the, uh, the Christians that are in the dispersion. And he's, he's writing to them. He says, you've been born again. You're to love one another with this deep love for you. You've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, which means you, it will never die. Though the, uh, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word, the one that endures forever, this is the one that was preached to you. This is what has been proclaimed to you, that you were born again. Born again is a, a word that we don't use often in life. Uh, maybe, actually, we might use it a lot in, um, in, our, uh, in our context. I know I used it growing up because I was um, a born-again Christian. That was my church. We focused on that a lot. And um, it was, it's important. I, I think we should focus on that just for a second, if I can have your attention. Um, that born again means that instead of being born and heading towards death, God gives you a new birth. And he forever transforms the course of your life. No longer are you heading towards death, but you're heading towards life. And this is the way God has designed. But you must be born again of the imperishable, enduring seed, this word of God. Now, this is really amazing. The word of the Lord, when it says here that you are born of, um, uh, the word of the Lord endures forever. The word there is logos. And Logos is, um, is, is a word that is translated into word, but it, it's hard, it doesn't just translate easily. In fact, it should probably be a word that we just add to our, um, our language because word stops short of what it means. It means voice. It means message. It, it's, it's akin to, that word logos is akin to, if you've seen Star Wars, since we're on Stranger Beings and far out things. Star Wars has the force, right? Now the force is this good power that you can use and wield to do good things. It's like in everything and of all things. It, it's similar to that, that God is, is this force that's around us, but it's, it's greater than that. It's not the perfect way, but it's just, I'm just trying to give you an idea to think that it's, it's, it's hard to explain. Another word for, for logos would be message, and I mentioned that a second ago. But what this is telling us is that this word that we were born of, this message that we have been born to, is not just a simple list of principles. In fact, if you look in the Gospel of John, which I was spending time in, I don't have it, have it for you here, um, but the very first verse of John says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was God, and the word was with God. And so the, the word there is logos. It's the same word. But if you'll notice in your English translations, the W is capitalized. And the reason it's capitalized is because it is a clear indication 
in that moment that this word logos is not meant to be a message like a force or this idea that's out there or this power that's out there, but it's dialed in, it's focused in on one thing, a man named Jesus. And so what we see here in the scriptures, if we take it into account, is that this message of God, this good news of God, has become a man. The message has become a man. And it says all people, you and I included, our glory is going to die like the flower. You know, when we dress up nicely, we, we look good, you know, we got our hair did, all those things, whatever we do, if we look nice, there's, there's a certain amount of glory that comes with that. People see us and they praise us. There's glory that God's created us with. But eventually, it will subside. Eventually, our bodies will age, and one day, our bodies will stop working. Our glory will die like the flower of a field. But those who are born again of this word of God, this logos of God, this son of God, they will endure forever because there is a resurrection coming. This word, this enduring word, is the word that was preached to them, is the word that's preached to you. This word is Jesus. In John chapter 10, verses 27 through 30, Jesus says this. He says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. And by the way, I and the Father are one. That's a powerful statement that is enough to get you crucified, which is what happened. Jesus said here very clearly, the all-powerful God, the creator of all that we know, is me. I am the message. And he's saying to follow me is to obey me. And to obey me is to love me. And to love me is to be with me forever. He said, Jesus and the Father are one. You and I were born again to know Jesus as Lord. That's God's desire for us. Now, at this point, some of you may be wondering, why were you throwing t-shirts to people? Why did you give cards to a few people? And why did you fling rubber bands out into the crowd? Well, here's my focus for that. A lot of times, there are things in life that we just don't understand. <laughs> and that's the total point of that illustration. Why did you do that? Well, there's a reason I did it. But the point I want you to get is there are some things you just don't understand. And you did a fantastic job not interrupting me to ask me, what are you doing? And you did a good job not flicking the rubber bands back at me as well. I appreciate that. But the question I want to ask for you is, is do you focus on what you don't understand to the point where you ignore the things that you do? Do you focus on the things that you don't understand, the questions that you have, 
to the point where you ignore the things that you do understand. You know, Google has spoiled us with information overload. You can find out basically anything you want to find out. But God operates differently. He operates on faith. He operates on trust. He operates on belief. And so sometimes when things are happening in our lives and we have no idea how to explain what's going on, it's hard for us to take that step of faith. For example, with the first point, with obedience, sometimes you may not understand what God is telling you to do, and you may not understand why he's telling you to do it. I don't get this. I don't know why you don't want this from me. I don't know why you're telling me to stop. I don't know why you want me to do this. But God always gives you enough information for you to choose whether you will or will not obey him. He may not answer all your questions, but he will give you enough to where you can say, yes, I will obey you, or I will choose to do things my own way. In the same way, sometimes we don't understand things when it comes to loving others. You may not understand why some people are wired a certain way, because sometimes, right, sometimes certain people just get on our nerves. I realize I do that for some people, and you do that for some people too, right? It's okay. We're wired differently. But we may not understand why they're wired a certain way or why they choose to behave a certain way or, or how someone like that, how could that be a person that I'm called to love? But again, you don't have to. God says you're born to receive this love from Christ and born to give that sincere, deep, abiding, and another way for agape was this eagerness to love, a continual love that kept going. This is the way you're wired, and this is the way you're born to love other people. You don't have to understand all the other things. This is what you do understand. And when it comes to living forever, you may not understand the big picture of why the world is the way it is, or how can heaven be forever, and how can we not get bored in a place that will be there forever. And we may not understand all the things that we want to understand of why is there suffering, why is there injustice, but God, again, always gives us enough to make a decision as to whether we will trust in Jesus for our forgiveness or whether we will continue to try to be our own justifier. Are we going to stop and, and realize that I need someone to rescue me or will I continue along in trying to prove myself to others, to God, and even to myself? We live in a very distracting world, don't we? And the purpose of me doing all that was to distract you. And to, to put you in a place where you were asking a question, what is he doing? But our city that we live in has every temptation available to lead our heart away from Jesus. No matter where you look, there's a distraction, something to take you away from your focus on Christ. And the temptations here in New York City are of the highest quality and quantity. There's the best of the best, and there's the worst of the worst here. Are you going to be distracted by the temptations of the world or distracted by what you don't know about God to the point where you miss out on living the life that you were born to live? Jesus was born for something, too. He had a mission to fulfill, and part of his mission was to complete a mission that would, in turn, give us a mission as well. 
Because without Jesus, we would never be able to be obedient. We're not wired that way. If not for his grace, we would be the worst of the worst. Without Jesus, we would never be able to truly love anyone. There would always be something in it for us. I'm only loving them to get something from them, whether it's love or affection or whatever. Without Jesus, we would never know true love. And without Jesus, we would never have eternal life, but stay on that track to eternal death. So Jesus came into our world and he flipped the script. He did what needed to happen to give us a life worth living. In fact, he did what he did to give us life, period. He did what only he could do. And so you could say he did exactly what he was born to do. He died for the disobedience so that we could be given a heart of obedience. So through Christ, we can actually love to obey the Lord. He died for the unloving so that we could know love and then turn around and give it freely to one another. And he died for the dead. He died for the dead so that we could be born again to eternal life with him. So because Jesus did what he was born for, you and I can now do what we were born to do. So I have good news for you today. Even though sin and death loomed over us, through faith in Jesus, you are born again to a relationship, a life with God, this sincere love that will endure forever, and now you're on a mission to share that with the world. Jesus has overcome the world, and through faith in him, so will we. Amen? Amen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I pray for uh, clarity in our lives and in our hearts. I pray that you would help us to not squander the opportunity that we have today in this moment to be people of love and to be people of obedience and to be people who, who rest in knowing that we have been recipients of eternal life through your grace. Lord, when we are distracted this week, with the temptations of the world, when we're distracted with the questions in our mind that we don't understand, cause us to remember what we were born for, to obey you, to love one another, and to live with you forever and ever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen.